0: Hey, welcome to CISO Talk. Mitch Ashley here, co-host with my friend, Matt Newfield. Welcome, Matt.
1: Thank you so much, Mitch. It's good to be here.
0: Good to have you here. We have a great panel, some repeat uh, guests. Uh, CISO Talk is a twice-monthly recorded uh, discussion that we have with CSOs and topics that are important to CISOs. Uh, we also have a live roundtable that we scheduled where audiences can interact with us. So I hope you'll join us for one of those. So uh, Matt and I have developed a great relationship with being part of this and working together, and sharing topics and bringing in some people like our guests. So let's start with that. Uh, let's uh, introduce. Have you guys introduce yourself uh, a little bit about you and and what you do, Larry Larry Whiteside? Do you want to start first?
2: Sure, sure. So. Um... Larry Whiteside Jr. Uh, I whew, I don't even know what I had to start with, so I'll start with with uh, I am CTO of an organization called CyberClan. We're a small uh, MSSP startup, global, uh, based out of Canada, but with offices across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. But the, the the job that I do that that brings you know thrill to my daily life and heart is uh, I'm the co-founder and president of an organization called ICMCP, of which we're changing the name. So watch out. We've got some some media coming out. We're rebranding a lot of good stuff there. But the organization is geared at increasing diversity in cybersecurity. So our, our goal is to ensure that, that more women and uh, people of color and LGBTQ get opportunities to not only join the field of cybersecurity, but actually, you know, excel and, you know, hopefully become a C-level executive one day.
0: Fantastic! A great organization. Excited uh, to hear about the rebrand too, Anthony. Anthony Johnson, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Awesome! Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Uh, so, Anthony Johnson, I uh, founded an organization called Delve Risk. Uh, we're a market research um, company. We study the cybersecurity ecosystem and, and enterprises. Um, but really, by way of background, I've been in cyber for twenty plus years. It's actually funny. Larry's been in cyber forever and didn't actually talk about it. Um, so I'm like, huh, there's a point of where he stopped talking about his, his legacy experience as a CISO, which I guess we age out at some point, but I was. We, uh,
2: it's interesting though, right? So I find myself doing that more and more, where I yeah. like saying I've been in it for 29 years, I feel like a dinosaur. And so I just, I just got to the point of stopping and saying, all right, right, because. It's,
3: you know, it, it, Larry, come on now.
0: It <laughs> sounds like LinkedIn. It sort of rolls off the end. You don't put everything in
3: there, right? It, 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 it does. But like my primary background is uh, financial services, CISO at organizations like Fannie Mae, JP Morgan, a board member um, for the Clearinghouse, stuff like that. And I advise a lot of enterprises, product companies, and stuff like that.
0: And Matt is co-host. I, you know, we don't always get an introduction from you, so I'd love to have you tell people a bit about what you do, too.
1: Awesome. So obviously, Matt Newfield, I've been on the show for over a year. Um, I am what's known as a CSIO at Unisys Corporation. So the easiest way to describe it is I'm both the CIO and the CISO for the organization. We really combine the two to try to um, actually change how the market views cybersecurity. Um, So instead of having me report to a CIO, we really flipped it around and we have security as our framework and our baseline. And I.T. rolls into that. Um, And like both Larry and Anthony, uh, I've been in this field for way longer than I'd like to describe. um, And we'll just leave it at that. Um, But it's it's well north of the uh, mid 20s.
0: Years so that's, that's why we all say we've been doing this for
1: twenty years. So right. <laughs> it kind of rolls up. We, we all thirty years. 20. I will have been doing this for twenty years. There you and go. The
3: question is is really where were you InfoSec before? There's like pre pre cyber mm-hmm. and post cyber. Because yes. we all woke about. up one day and recruiters like, but did you do cyber? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, cool. Update right. your resumes. <laughs> change InfoSec to cybersecurity, and you're good. Yeah,
0: routers access- I- does that count? Yeah, access control list, right? So, yes. and, and again, Mitch Ashley, I'm CEO of Accelerated Strategies Group, and also CTO with MediaOps, who hosts this event. So, our topic is, and Matt, I'm going to let you kind of further introduce this, but this is a topic that either creates huge fear and anxiety, or there's a lot of anticipation of, hey, I'd really like some help with this. I think most every CISO struggles with, how do I talk to the board? How do I talk to the C-suite? Am I here to educate them on cybersecurity so they're more knowledgeable and can easier, more easily communicate? Or do I need to go get an MBA so I can talk business to these people? Or make friends with the CFO? How do I more effectively build that relationship, but communicate effectively at the board and the CISO level so I'm not the next victim that gets to leave the organization because they have no idea to what I'm talking about. And all I want is more money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about this a lot when, you know, before the pandemic, we, there were a lot of what we call Chatham House Rules conversations that I was involved in with a lot of people who were parts of boards. And we used to survey them and ask, do you trust your CISO? Do you believe in your CISO? And an overwhelming majority said no. So as I started to dig in, it really came down to language. And that's really what this is. It's we speak a language that a lot of business executives don't speak. And they speak a language that we don't speak. And, you know, we're going to discuss today why is that. And I I think there's some pretty tactical points if you look at the history of where a lot of people in our roles came from. Uh, You know, we grew up in engineering, for example, we were pen testers, maybe Larry was the greatest firewall admin known to man back in the day. So, you know, he was there, he was great, and he got promoted up. And Mitch, to your point, we didn't really evolve our conversation to understand what these people were doing for a living. And it it became the world of FUD, right? And we all know that fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and it was great to scare people into submission. It was great to get your budgets way back in the day of, You know, the world is ending, countries are attacking, you know, you've got people who are taking sites down for five bucks, it's all it costs them, and it costs us millions, give me money. But what people started to realize and started to see is, let's say a year went by, you get all the money, Larry gets it, Anthony gets it, I get it, you get it, you get all that money, you implement all these things, and a year goes by, nothing bad happens. Now you got to go in front of the board again. And they go, nothing happened. And you go, yeah, it's because you gave me all the money. They're like, or was nothing ever going to happen? How do you prove the ROI? How do you explain what you're doing? And, you know, in the pre-conversation, Larry was talking about, thank you for the 90s. Let's move into modern day. Help me understand why you're not a cost center. And, you know, I'll open up the floor, but really I think we should start with what's the root of this problem? And, And why are so many CISOs, so many CSOs where they are today? which is not enabling a business to do things securely, but they're really viewed as, you know, and I do quotes, the necessary evil. You have to do it because you don't want to be in the news, which is not a comfortable place for any of us to be.
3: I think one thing that's really interesting is that um, cybersecurity, like most business functions, um, measure success based on an outcome. Yes. Right. Um, cyber. Measure success based on the lack of an outcome, right? And, and, and so like, that is a very diametric view of like, hey, it's almost like, uh, like a forest fire management, right? You're like, there was no forest fire, so we did a great job, or you're like, or did lightning just not strike? Right. Um, and that's a super hard piece to be like, no, no, no. The millions of dollars that we spent clearing the brush, doing the control of burns, doing all these things prevented us from having this massive outbreak. And that's kind of the situation that, that cyber runs into. But I do think that security leaders also, um, we, 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 we've kind of put this on ourselves in, in, in a big way in that most security leaders don't actually know how their business really operates, makes money. Um, and you know it's hard to have a conversation when, some, when you start off with like, let me tell you about what's important to me. And I'm like, all right, but you don't understand what's important to the company. So, like, we're already at a mismatch here, right? Um, and and I, th- I think that's a really, really tough piece for security leaders to, to, to have to get their head around.
2: And, and that's that's probably one of the most important pieces, right? It's it's when you think about the origin of the role, where did we grow up from, where did we, right? It's, it's we grew up out of being... Nerds, we grew up out of this techie space, right? We grew up out of the space of ones and zeros, right? Bits and bytes, IP addresses, right? That's, we grew up in that, right? And so um, because we were never taught, right? There weren't any classes for us to, to teach us how to be business leaders and to, uh, that, hey, we must understand the business. So as people have gotten up into this role, it's been foreign to them. So they sit down and to Anthony's point, where we look at it as well nobody's patting me on the back when nothing happens but then everybody looks at me when something goes wrong right because we're in a different paradigm right our paradigm is completely the the polar opposite of what a business leader's paradigm is but but to the point that anthony brought up it's understanding what makes your business tick what are the what's what how do you make money right because if you make money uh, selling snow cones to Eskimos, then you need to understand that and be able to support and enable, right, the 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 making of 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 uh, snow cones in Alaska, right? Like you've got to understand that. But if you don't understand that basic principle of how your business makes money, you're going to fail. But we've gotten into this paradigm of thinking that well, our job as security leaders is just to identify risk in technology. Well,
1: right. I, I'll take it a step back, Larry. I think a lot of security leaders, and we've talked about this before, don't think their job is to identify risks. They think their job is to protect the company. My job is to stop bad things from happening. And you know, you and I've joked about this in the past. That's, I mean, that's like built, being tasked with building a car that never gets into an accident. It's just not going to happen. And, <laughs> and I love the way you just expressed it. Which, yeah, yeah I give this that one a lot, but. It, you expressed it, which is our job is to help enable the business to be successful securely or as securely as possible, to root out risks and to give options back. And, you know, I, I think the next question on this and maybe Mitch, will start with you is, okay, so we get the foundation of why. Most of us were geeks. We weren't MBAs that somehow got the security. Generally, given some of our ages, we started off in IT. You know, we loved IT and then something twisted us out of being a network admin or a Windows or a Unix admin or a coder. And we just, we, you know, we set our sights on security because back in the day it was InfoSec, Anthony. It wasn't cyber, it was InfoSec. And that built that passion, but we didn't learn business. So who changes here? I mean, you said something about training. Do we train the board? I don't know about you, but most board members do not want to be trained. By the security person. That's that is generally a recipe for termination.
2: They're also not at the age where they can be trained by a security person, right? This is like let's be very clear: The, the median age of board members is that of such you're not really going to that whole teach an old dog new tricks type of thing. They're there because they understand business. And you're not going to get them to convert and understand new technology and the nuances and all of the stuff that comes with the the ones and zeros that we deal with today. So, so that's a whole thing. I think
0: Larry, all we do is we we come across as trying to make people feel stupid when they're already experts. They're expert at a lot of things and and complementary to what we do. So I, I think the, the analogy I, I, I resonate with is we have to move out of being insurance salespeople whose premiums always go up, right? That's not the business that we're in. Our our business it isn't just risk management. It starts with knowing what the goals of the organization, what we're trying to accomplish with the strategies. If you don't have that in your lexicon, you're starting from zero. I think well, you're starting in the in a hole, frankly. And, and I think our job is to look not just at prevention, but think ahead. How do we clear the path? for where the company is going and and, and reduce the barriers of the, the problems that can occur. So if we're doing the introduction of more cloud applications, cloud native, we're pushing them out onto to mobile apps, or we're doing something in a different geographic location, whatever that might be, if we're informed about that strategy and those goals, we can be thinking ahead with the chief strategy officer, with the CFO, with the chief product officer, experience officer, as part of the team to help craft how we're going to get there or even helping shape that strategy. But we're not going to do it thinking about bits and bytes.
3: I, I think there's also a piece of where um, like it was... I don't want to use the word cute, um, but, but cyber has adopted this warfighter language of like, we're cyber warriors, we're cyber soldiers, and like, like, mm. it, like I, it, it evokes an image, right? But what, what that image really does is it sets people to think that they are the ones on the line protecting the company. They're the only ones who can do the thing. And in, in, in reality, I think a great security leader informs the rest of leadership. And then leadership can make the decision. I really give a really, really great, really great example, right? Like, if you look at a high volume, high transaction uh, website, and you say, hey, we need to add whatever product, and it's going to add in 30 milliseconds of delay, right? But it's, we're, we're going to be safer. As a business leader, I'm like, oh my gosh, hold on. Now we got customer experience. Now revenue's dropping. Now, now, as a security leader, I would say, you did your job, you informed me, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make the decision to take that risk. Now, if that blows up, I should be held accountable because I made that decision. But the, the security leaders are the ones who take it so personal. They're like, no, no, no. If I don't convince them to put that thing in, then I fail. And it's like, no, you informed them of the risk. They made the context. Um, and that's. I think that's where you have to go. So let's go. Real
2: quick, Claire. Let me let me dig that. into that real quick. Okay, well, I ahead. want to dig into this because there's, there's a point here. So yeah. if, if you think about the way Anthony framed that, security leaders, the best ones I know who do well in their job are the ones who take their role to be an advisory type role. You've got a responsibility as a security leader to recognize you don't own the risk. Your goal is to advise the company on where there are risk-based things that you're doing, right? So seeing the strategy. Now, I will, I will add this caveat. I'm sorry my yard people are here if you hear all the background noise. Um, there's a caveat to this. A lot of times because the executives do not see security leaders as leaders, they don't even get brought into the conversation related to the strategy. It's, <laughs> it's not until the point of implementation and things are getting put in place that they're going to security and saying, hey, is this okay? We do, we're doing this thing tomorrow. Is it okay? Give us a thumbs up on it. And then you as a security leader like, oh, wait, what? Right? And, and so that's a lot of where security leaders take it personal that, okay, well, I'm being asked to secure this and I'm being asked to make sure that this is going to work for the business and I can't because I've been brought to the table late. But the reality is, is if we are, it's helping the organization understand that we need to be brought to the table at ideation. Right When the idea, when the light bulb goes off, hey, we think we want to do this as a business, this is the direction we want to go, and you get engaged at that point, then you can act in an advisor role and say, hey, here are my thoughts around that. I'm not saying yes or no. I'm just telling you here's the risk that I identified associated with moving in that direction. You want to move in that direction, great. I'll help you figure out what mitigating controls you're willing to accept to be put in place to help mitigate
1: Yeah, look, at the end of the day, I agree with everything that's been said. And, you know, one of the areas that I've always advised people on is when you're dealing with business executive, they don't like being told what to do. Neither do we. Executives don't like being told what to do. Humans, if you think and step back for a second and realize really the core of this is psychology, you can understand what I'm about to say, which is give choices. I like something that I coined the Olympic method. I like the Olympics, so I coined it this way of saying, I'm gonna give you a gold, I'm gonna give you a silver, I'm gonna give you a bronze. And there's a fourth place, which is do nothing, don't really care, do it. But to everybody's point, I've told you the risk, told you what could happen, right? And you may say, oh, you're being bombastic, okay. But I've documented in a risk register, I've given you your choices, you know, uh, uh, options, not choices, but some options to deal with it. And to the point of the team, if you don't want to do anything and you, Anthony, to your point, you're like, Matt, I'm not doing anything, then great. It's in the register. And it's some people are like, Matt, you're just doing CYA. Well, yeah, doing CYA. But it's also aligning to the business to be able to say, it's not my decision to dictate to you what you should be doing. And I think we all need to step back in the cyber world and really understand that you start dictating what people should do. And then you realize shadow IT pops up real quick. Yeah. I mean, my, when my oldest was younger, he really taught me this lesson because I put all these controls in my house and I demanded <laughs> certain things, you do this. And then I would catch him. He circumvented all the controls i put in back in the day. I'm like, why? He goes, bah, he told me I couldn't and I wanted to prove that I could and I did. He's obviously your ah. child. You know, I'm, there you go, but people do that. And Apple business leaders will do that because they sit in a meeting and they go, what's easier? Me getting with Anthony, Larry, Matt as late as possible so I don't have to deal with their nonsense because they're gonna cause me problems or do they view you, the individual watching this program as the advisor, as the enabler, as the helper. And that culture changes on your shoulders, not 100%. on the business's shoulders.
3: I, I think one, another piece of I love the fact how you kind of call out it's a psychology issue, right? Like, I think actually we, we, we took the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and kind of made it from a cyber view. And if you think about it, right, like that that food, water, like the base layer, the, that, that first level is company revenue. Right, it's it's revenue. It's pro- you're you're driving customers, yada yada, and then security, right? And and the moment security starts to impact revenue to where you don't have enough food anymore, you don't have enough money to run the company, you're like, hey, we need to cut the security stuff out because we're we, we have to have a product to, to to secure, right? And and a lot of security leaders are like, no, I'm going to secure everything.
1: But you would kill the product. You can secure yourself into bankruptcy. So, so I'm going to play devil's
2: advocate here real quick, right? So, we we part of this conversation is why are we this way, right? So it's not just that we've grown up out of this tech field. It's also, right? So to your point, Matt, about the CYA, who who ultimately owns incident response or field that they own incident response? Security leaders. And so when we are making these types of decisions and we are really trying to push our agenda, it's because many people i have had this conversation dozens and dozens of times. They feel that they're not getting their point across because they're like, well, why would they not want to do this? Because it makes sense because our logic is different than their logic. Right. So we're applying our logic. And to us, it makes logical sense to do this. Number two is we own incident response. So we're like, crap. Right. This is going to cause. Us to have an incident, and I'm going to be the one having to respond to it and put in a 100-hour week with the team to try and respond to the incident and deal with all, right? And so a lot of security leaders have this fear of that piece of it, right? I don't want, I've got to put an umbrella over everything, because if I have an incident on one little thing that I didn't put an umbrella on, I'm going to ultimately be responsible for responding and recovering from the incident. And that's going to look bad on my resume. That's going to look bad on me. It's going to look bad, right? And they take ownership in that, and they tend to forget the goal that we've talked about in the beginning is the company enabling the company securely.
0: Let me let me take this a little bit of a different direction because some of the some really good, I think, advice that I've gotten about boards that I think applies to security as well as other fields is one is you never wanna present something you don't already know the answer to. In other words, the real preparation of going in front of a board isn't having the best presentation. It's the socialization of that with the peers or with the people on the board as much as you can. And so that as you present that, you're taking the conversation to the next place, not to the starting place of your slides, if you will, what you're pitching them on or presenting them on or discussing. The other really good advice that I've gotten is most people that sit on boards, no finances, 1 million times better than any of us will. And one of the things that they've, they've had done to them is, is people pick apart their numbers. And it's easy to do, right? If you're not a financial person. So partner with your CFO or a financial person, or even have them put the the ROI study together. Have them bless it. Have them be informed so they can have that conversation with you when it comes time for the numbers and some of that analysis. In other words, to your point, Matt, about the psychology of think about who's on the board, right? These aren't your these aren't the normal people that you deal with every day. These are people of a different skill, of a different level of experience and thinking about things differently. So those are two things. And I've seen that work well in, in several cases.
3: So and I think I, as I a
0: security leaders, way. we can benefit from that approach.
3: Yeah, I take a little bit of a different approach. So, um, so when I was at JP, we had a, a practice. So, so I was a senior MD there we had a bunch of MDs. And if we held a it was like a billion dollars or some company's money, then we would send MDs to go like coach their board or talk to their board about cyber and do that. So, I, so I quite literally don't know how many boards I've, talked to or coached. And what was most influential for me actually was uh, something an old CIO said was, before you go pitch to the board, take your presentation and run it by all the EAs. If they don't understand it, you are nowhere near ready to put it in front of the board. And it's mm-hmm. not because, because they're dumb. It's, so, it's really because you need to simplify the idea to where you can just have a, a really basic conversation. And, and it, it goes back to this, financial number piece uh, that your that financial model. And I actually love would get, love to get Matt's view on this a little bit, because as a CIO and the CISO, you're actually responsible for a PL, right? Security leaders historically have not been responsible truly for their PL. and And so they've had this like protective blanket of you're a cost center, just continue to ask for more money but you don't have to justify it. And one of the things I've always done with my teams, like I love Intel teams are like, we put together this report. I'm like, would you buy that from you? If you were, if you were a line of business in your company, would you buy that from you? And they're like, no, it looks like crap. Okay, great. So it's clearly not ready yet. Right. Or um, would you buy that service from you? No. Well, then you haven't explained it. You haven't gotten enough, you know, internal, you know, support here. And when you make security leaders think about it as if they owned that P and think you find that they have more meaningful conversations with the board um, because they actually know what
1: value they're adding.
3: And I'm sure Matt, you're dealing with
0: thinking like a business uh, person. Yeah, yeah,
1: hundred percent. And you know, one of the Anthony, I couldn't agree with you more. Right? We we are P and It's much bigger. We deal with much larger budgets this way, and figuring out the nuances between form and function, features, security. It's It's difficult in this role because you have so many nuances. But so a lot of people hear what everybody here is saying. They go, well, how? I can't practice in front of my board because, uh, you know, uh, that's generally not your best. So how do I do it? And, you know, I'll throw out my thoughts and then get everybody else's. So if you're going to change, if you're going to go in front of a board and you're going to have these conversations Yes, you have to do prep work. I talked to board members prior to a board meeting. Our chairman of the Cyber Risk Committee, I have a conversation with them at least a week before the board to make sure they understand everything, because you also don't want to be presenting someone something to them and have them look at you like, I don't understand. Not I don't agree, but you're speaking tongues to me. I don't get you. So you want to align. But this is where mentorship is so important. And finding someone that you can work with um, in your organization, for example, you said the CFO, someone that you can present your board deck to in your company so you can go through the confidential information that's not in your chain of command, I think is critical. And then as a general practice, you know, we have a tendency in technology to have mentors who are in technology. That's right. You know, I need the best. Firewall person, if you're in the firewall train, I, that's my mentor. Or the mentor's a CISO or CSO. One of my mentors is a CFO. He doesn't know anything about cyber. He doesn't care about cyber. He's a CFO. He cares if his stuff gets leaked. But Ed really helped me start speaking in his language. And he, I remember a long time ago, he handed me a stack, of, called me to his office. He goes, "You talk like hell." I don't like talking to you. We get along, read these books. And if you ask me again what EBITDA is, you and I are going to have a problem. I, you go figure it out. And this was in the 90s, so the sword clear a long time ago. But it helped me understand that I, I was trying to convince someone that already had a chief title to speak like me, yeah. when in reality, I needed to speak like him. And that comes through mentorship and practice. And let me tell you, You know, that's the other reason I think a lot of CISOs fail. You get maybe one time a year to speak to a board and you think you're good at it. You're not. You're not. I mean, for every board meeting, I get 20 minutes, 30 minutes or an hour. I'll put 40, 50 hours of practice for that meeting on my own. You have to practice. This is a skill. And you want to practice with someone. And I waste our CFOs, our COOs, a lot of their time over and over, this is what I'm going to say. Someone how I'll say it and let them pick it apart, because it's right. safe to do that. And by the way, you can use that to educate them. Yeah, right. I'm seeing a lot of benefit. I'm also trying to get our CFO to really understand my point. And at the end of it, we get along very well because you know it, it was you know mutually beneficial. They also yeah.
0: become somewhat of an advocate. And certainly they may agree disagree with some things too, but they're informed so they can have the conversation at the level you want to have. So that preparation for you is in a way preparing them for that conversation too, Matt.
1: So when you all are speaking to boards, you know where an area I think could also be to the viewer's benefit is your thoughts on frameworks, that commonality of language. You know, how do you feel hmm. about CISOs who don't adopt frameworks or adopt very cyber-specific frameworks and don't really educate the board, because you can't educate on what a NIST or a CIS or a ITIL framework is without it being condescending. So what are your thoughts on frameworks as it relates to board conversations? Larry, go ahead. Yeah, so... So. Um, Again,
2: this goes to who's on that board, right? Understanding the makeup of what that is and what the context is you're trying to get across. I've had those, I literally, the call before this was a conversation with a board and I was talking about CIS Top 20 to help them understand the value of moving the organization towards alignment to it, right? But they got it because there was, again, a lot of prep work to get them to understand how that better aligned to the needs of the customers who they're serving and their customers are generating questionnaires that are coming to them, asking them about their organization, right? So in this this talking to the board of the VC, so they began to get and they understood what that meant for them. So I like frameworks. I like frameworks because it gives you a guideline, right? It gives you some form of guidance uh, uh, as an organization. And so for you as a security leader, Right, you can you can pick things in there that are potentially going to make sense, and people understand that you've got a plan. I know a lot of CISOs who don't like frameworks, and and they're diametrically opposed to them because for what for one reason or another, and I've heard a myriad of reasons. But when I talk to them through it, I'm like, so help me then understand what is your plan? How do you identify the things that you need to do as an organization, right, to be better tomorrow and to better support the business initiatives that you've got going forward. And how do you then pick, based on those business initiatives, what are the things that you're specifically gonna do and what and why you're doing it? Because it's always the why, right? And the controls tend to help you understand the why. Why do I need to implement this? Why do I need to go in this direction? And so I like controls for that reason.
3: I, I, I think the frameworks are, are really important um, for a couple of reasons. And I'll give you really, early in my career, um, now this was, I was biased. But, like, um, I really thought about everything in the OSI model, right? Oh, gosh. Now, I loved it when somebody said, oh, I studied that, or they said, I did the CISSP, or I did this, because I then understood and I had this expectation that we could talk in a comparable level of framework. So, if I said it was a Layer 3 issue, they knew what it was. We didn't have to go into you know, a 30-minute discussion about what layer three actually meant. It's like, we, we have that. And I think that's where frameworks are really, really valuable for boards. Um, I do think, though, it's important for security leaders to look at the frameworks that most board members are being trained on already. So take, like, the NACD work, the National Association of Corporate Directors. There was new guidance that came out last December. A whole bunch of security leaders opined on it. There's all these, like, controls and language and things that board members are being trained on. And so I think security leaders should also have whatever framework they're they're using, adopting into their into their program. But look at what are my board members already learning? How do I bridge these two so we can have a more effective, faster conversation? And that's what I think frameworks enable, a, a more rapid, meaningful conversation.
2: Well, and a lot of times, I'll add real quick, and a lot of times, right? That's aligned to Right. A regulatory things. Right. So a lot of board members are very versed on the regulatory thing that they must do as an organization. Right. And the things that they must meet because that directly correlates to money. Right. <laughs> or fines. Right. And so so that tends to help you. And literally all the frameworks have a mechanism that they will align. To any potential regulatory deal that you're dealing with, whether it's a a privacy one in, you know, California or Canada or or Europe with GDPR, or or whether it's some other one, healthcare or financial services. So those are things that they tend to know, and the framework can help with that. Uh,
0: One of the things I wanted to. to Bring up too is that it's not like we live in a world where security is in its own bubble. Security's talked about in the open, the public, all the time, right? Presidential order about cybersecurity, you know, ransomware, everything. Not to bring up the fud, but it's a topic that board members talk to them each other about, as well as with their boards. I'm, I'm curious, what do you think our role is of being not only being informed of that? Are we there to help interpret what those things mean? What does the parental order and cybersecurity mean for us? What do you think we should do? What's our role to help um, our board members not only assimilate, but also uh, utilize that information better in their role?
1: So I, I will tell you my perspective. We're the translator because a lot of this stuff comes out. Educator to me still has a problem. You know, it it can be demeaning. It can be kind the
0: teacher. You're the pupil. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, none of that. We're the translator. So what we try to do is let me take the stuff that comes out of these regulatory guidance. Let me, you know, new laws, what's happening over here and translate it for everybody of what that means to the business in very clean, very easy to understand language. And then I need to map the risk register we have to whatever that is. That's my job. And now I'm here to answer questions, hold private. So we'll do private meetings with board members. We'll have private side sessions. You know, we'll do education sessions. But what I've found very powerful, it is, it is viewed differently for whatever reason. Bring a third party in to do those education sessions if you're going to do it. Don't do it yourself. Bring a third party in. It's a good thing because that you feel like you're getting some education, you know, let's say from my board, I wanted to bring in Anthony and Larry and Mitch, you guys are going to come in and talk about the next thing coming out. It doesn't, uh, I think a lot of people in our world and our roles believe if they do that, then they'll be viewed as uneducated. I don't know. That's not the point. You want to bring that independent perspective in, because Hopefully, if you're doing your job correctly, it validates what you've been pushing. It validates what you've been saying. Instead of someone coming in, giving their education speech and then going, "But that's not what Larry's been saying for the last year." What the heck? Now you have a problem. But right. you know, that's to me how you do it. It's translation.
2: Yeah, I'll agree with that. Right. I, I when I was at Optive, right, I, I spoke to. Dozens of Fortune 100 company boards, right? Where the CISO is like, I need you to come in and educate them on, you know, the future state of, of cyber and threats to our particular line of business, right? And that's what I would do. I would go in there and say, hey, here's, here's what we're seeing. Here's the research, right? And, and help them understand what that looks like. And all the time we prefaced it and we sat down with the CISO in preparation to sort of align what are the things you've been taught to them about what right and you need to be aware of these are the things that we're seeing and these are the things i'm going to talk to so they could then align their presentation that was going to come up to the board at some point to and their strategy to deal with those types of things so i agree with that point about translation because the interesting thing is every day there's something new in the news related to cyber that one of your board members is seeing and what they do and if they're not seeing it directly from the news or something, a friend of theirs who's a president of another organization is sending it to them That's right. a- in their head somewhere, even though you don't get the email directly somewhere, they are sending a note to somebody in your company. Hey, how does this relate to us? What does this mean for us? Is this, is there anything related to this? And so I can't tell you how many CISO friends when SolarWinds happened, literally scrambled to put together some sort of something to say, okay, listen, this is what this means for us, right? Um, yes, we have solar winds, but we have this module, and we don't have this, and right, and where they had to really go into because otherwise, um, you know, they'd have had all sorts of stuff raining down on them. So you got to be prepared. You've got to stay abreast of what's going on, and you've got to. Pick your opportunities to say these are the things I think I need to educate them on. But there, here are bigger opportunities to do a much larger education. Because to your point, Matt, having external entities come to the board I think, is an important component, but you've got also got an individual responsibility to deal with those nuanced things that happen on a daily or weekly basis, to just have an opportunity to send your ELT and email that get, can get shared with the board because I guarantee one of those is getting asked at some point. But, but
3: I, I do think it's important to, um, to put things in context. Uh, and what, what I mean by that is is I, I've been doing, Delvers, we've been doing a lot of research on like cyber budgets across these 1,500, we, we study 1,500 orgs, right? Um, cyber global, globally, the cyber market, including headcount is about $167 billion, right, for, the, for, for this year. Okay, sounds like a big number. Um, of that, right? Like uh, 69, if you include the US government, 85 billion is, inclu- is, is encompassed in about 1500 companies, okay? Which means you have a really fragmented 80 some billion globally distributed around all these small organizations. Um, now you're like, okay, it's still a lot of money. The IT market is $5.2 trillion, right? In the context, of like all the stuff that we are talking about in cyber, we're talking about four percent, less than four percent, in the bucket of right. the spend, right? And so when you look at where boards are are focused, yeah, it's it's an important piece, but it's four percent. Like right. how else? How do you meet the, the the board, the rest of leadership? You have to talk about value creation, acceleration, um, all the other things that IT does. Because if you jump on the the, the you know the trampoline and scream, and you're four percent. They're going to say, "Hey, it's kind of a rounding error for you know." Like we could solve that somehow. Like we'll just go 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 do that. So cybersecurity leaders have to move forward in getting closer to business creation value with the boards, with the rest of the leadership team and think about things more, which is why I love the, the CI integrated CIO CISO thing because it forces that as a IT conversation.
1: And I think I think another thing that's incumbent upon us that I would tell everybody in the audience, they really have to start thinking about. And our chairman really brought this home for me. And he asked me a question. He said, uh, um, who can tell you no when it comes to joining meetings and being involved? And I, I, I was like, well, a lot of people, he goes, no, you work for me. I can tell you no, right? They cannot tell you no, if you're there for a valid reason. And it just goes to show and the core of what he was really getting at for me is it's not incumbent upon the business to invite me. And I think a lot of people are offended because they're like, I didn't get invited. Mm-hmm. What it's incumbent upon is for me to show that I will always show up, right? It's It's the exact opposite. If you're waiting around for someone to call you for that Friday night date, you're gonna be waiting a long time, at right. least 99.99999% of us. But you have to get out there. You have to do, you know, you're, you're really trying to show the business in a myriad of ways, depending on where you work and who you work for, why they need to invite you and your team, why you're there to help them do stuff better. You'll find ways to do it cheaper. You'll find ways to do it securely market differentiators, all of those kinds of things, and that's also ties into the board because I think one of the final things I'll throw out, and I know we're running out of time is, I think a lot of people think the only time cyber is brought up is when you, the CISO, talk about it. If the only time the board hears about cyber programs in your organization is from you, then you're also not doing your job. You want the business leaders to be talking about how it's securely enabled, and if they're not, you want to know the board is calling them out. right? Yeah. My dream is having a business executive presenting to the board and them not mentioning me at all, my org at all, and having a board member go, whoa, 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 whoa. Was Matt involved in that? Why wasn't Matt involved in that? Get Matt in the board meeting right now. Yeah, Matt, were you involved in this? And not to call people out, but they understand that I'm an enabler get that positivity behind what you're doing so that everybody wants to utilize what you have. Yeah. And I think that
3: want to utilize that, that, that choose to, right? Like you can, you can imagine if, you know, your business said, Hey Matt, I'm choosing, I I could outsource my cyber safety to whatever. And you're like, they're like, no, we get way better support. We get way better engagement. Right. Um, But I, 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 I do kind of chuckle, you know, the, the, the idea, which I, I love, of saying you could walk into any meeting. I almost imagine, like, walking into my daughter's room, who's six, and she's being like, why are you here? And I'm like, because it's my, it's my house. Like, I'm allowed to walk into your room. I'm allowed, I'm allowed to walk into whatever room I want, right? Like, um,
0: Am I in trouble? What, what's, the, what's happened?
3: Yeah, it, but it's the same thing for, for you. You're held accountable to, to add value, to inform them. Right. Um, and as long as you've you've done that and they choose to do that, man. I,
1: I think that's really powerful. It's a very powerful, and it goes to what Larry said earlier, right? I mean, it people have a tendency to wait till the end. So show up. Yeah. Show up. Just be there. And it, people are like, oh, it's hard virtual, this and vir-. but, I get all that. I don't mean literally break into someone's Zoom meeting, but you gotta show up. You've got to be talking to enough people in that stack and that chain that they're like, Hey, I noticed you weren't on the invite. You should come to this. And just. Very
0: there, there last comment.
2: Yeah. So you must also be engaged. Right. Yep. So one of the things that I've found, right. From some security leaders as I went in, right. And I was brought in by their board to come in and sort of assess. And I went around, you know, they're in, they've gotten put Right. And, and called into these other business leaders, you know, team meetings and those types of things. And they're literally in there unengaged. Right. They're doing emails and they're doing other things. And they're not. Yes. Right. They're not actually engaged because in their mind. And I talked to the security leaders about this afterwards. They're In their mind, they're like, oh, they're just talking about their business stuff. right? When they bring up something around security, then I'll jump in. I'm like, no, that's what you need to be engaged on. You need to be engaged on the things that they're talking about that is going to enable their business. They're talking about their business growth. They're talking about their business revenue and profits. They're talking about the strategic direction they need to move. Those are the things you need to be actively engaged on and listening to and and, and seeing what you can glean, right? So that then after the meeting, you're like, okay, I heard they're going to do this and they're going to do this and I need to follow up with this person to share this information, right? Because then that's where you begin to add value Where then they start calling you in. They start calling you in to ideation around these things, but you've got to at least be at the first meetings and be engaged. And once they see you're engaged and you're giving that level of feedback, that's what gets you invited to more meetings and the planning meetings. And the, you know all those other meetings that happen outside of just that leaders meeting. And I've seen too many security leaders just in there so they feel they now got a seat, but they're disengaged.
0: Well, parting, parting thought for our parting gift for our audience. One is I think if you are a student of the business, be a student of the business. Learn everything you can about the business you're in. The other thing is if you're a member of an executive team, 30% of your role there is to talk about your department, your organization, your function. 70% of your role there is to think holistically about the entire business, which means you got to know the business. You do those two things, you don't have to wait to be invited. You'll be part of all the conversations that you want to be. And I think that, more than anything, that will give you the business language, all the other things that we've talked about. So, Matt, my co-host, Newfield, thank you so much. This is a fantastic topic. I know I learned a ton, listening to you guys, picked up a great – I know I'm going to call for mentoring for my next board meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony Johnson, uh, Larry Whiteside, Jr., thank you so much. It's been a fantastic CISO talk, and we look forward to uh, having you back again.
1: Thanks a lot, guys. This is great. Thank you so much. Be safe, everyone. Bye. All right. Thanks for joining us.